Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. It's so good to see you here today on the best day of the year, right? Where you actually wake up how your body wants to wake up with one hour of extra sleep. Congratulations to you all, to us all for that. You may have seen on B Street, the Bloodmobile is here today. They would love to take your uh, offering of blood after this service. Um, if you are able to give blood, they will be there through this service and after. Also, next week at 10 a.m., uh, there will be Larry Price's Sunday School class, the youth class. But for the pastor class that day, um, we're going to have a special one-off class. Phil has just finished uh, his first year of programming in his other job. And several of you have asked him questions about it and wanted to know more about it. So he's going to do a one-off class next Sunday on the third floor, 10 a.m., um, about what he's learned about churches in our region with his work with them. Uh, you can ask questions about his work um, and dive a little deeper into that. That will be a one-class one series, and then the week after we will get back to my series on how to read the Bible. So... I want to remind you, today is also First Sunday Supper. If you would like to cook, please come about 3 o'clock to the gym. If you would like to help clean up, please come about 4.30. Also, it is stewardship season still. If you have not had the opportunity to turn in your pledge, you can feel free, feel free to do that, uh, either in worship or in the office in the coming weeks. And one more announcement from me before uh, Prissy speaks to us this morning. It is a big week for education in the church. My bakery class continues Wednesdays at 10 a.m. at the Bakery District. We have two of those classes left for this series. But also Tuesday, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. are the women's Bible studies. 10 a.m. is Daniel and 6 p.m. is the Sabbath. So uh, you are invited to participate in those educational opportunities this week. And also Prissy has an announcement for us. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I think the last time I spoke to you about our annual bake sale, I commented on the fact that the women of the church do something better than anyone else, and that's cook, and we eat well. Uh, so next Sunday is your opportunity to try out the goodies and the belief that we are good cooks. Uh, it is next Sunday. Anyone who would like to prepare something for sale should bring the items to the parlor starting around 8.30, and we'll take them all away during the morning. But we will price it and have it set out for you so you can look it over and decide what you want. We all have all sorts of baked items, casseroles, desserts, breads, jams, jellies, and our famous egg rolls will be back. So uh, thanks to our Laotian women for that. If you want to bring frozen items and keep them that way, we're going to have a large ice chest. And we can put them in there and take care of that for a while. If, if you want to come by and leave it, we'll put your name on it and put it in the ice chest and save it. So um, the other thing is we'll have our first, first press tote bags. So if you have the urge to fill one up, just take your bag and it's a buck. And then... Uh, we would love to sell you anything we have. Those of you that don't want to cook, but you want to help in any way, um, 
there will be a basket there as, as there was last year for donations. So there's something for everyone. And we hope everyone will come and support the work, the work that we're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Prissy. Uh, you know you don't want to cook from now until New Year. So just come by and all of the proceeds are given out to mission agencies locally, nationally, and internationally. So that is next week, all morning long. With all of those announcements, let's worship God. Call to worship comes from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let us pray. Lord, we have come to this place of worship today, first and foremost, to give you all glory and honor. 
Praise is on our lips, in our singing, in our music, in our prayers. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us to worship you with all glory this day. It is in your name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Please stand as we sing.
is that we cannot stand in this sanctuary, offer praise to God and sense his presence, without also being fully aware of the ways we have fallen short, the ways we have not lived up to God's calling in our lives. And so we come to this part of our worship every time, and we confess before God, before one another, but we confess trusting, trusting that God is gracious and merciful. So let's pray together. There is silent prayer in the middle. God, you are our maker and our guide. You created us from the dust of the earth and placed your image upon us. We confess that your image in us is often distorted and torn. We confess we do not always reflect your glory in our thoughts and actions. We confess the distortions in our lives. We confess the relationships we have allowed to fray. Hear our prayers of confession now. We continue together. Forgive us, great God. Renew and restore us again, for we are the work of your hands. Continue to shape us into your new creations. It is in your name we pray. Amen. I offer to you on this day the good news of Jesus Christ. For who is in a position to condemn you? It is only Christ. And he was born for you. He lived and taught and healed and ministered for you. He died for you. And he rose for you. Even now, in this moment, Jesus is praying for you and for me. Know that you are forgiven. And now be people of peace. Let's sing to God's glory. seated. It occurs to me I didn't mention Phil. He's not here. Um, he is away this weekend. He'll be back with you next weekend. There, I've mentioned him. We are about to read one of the most important texts in the entire Bible, among the two that we are reading this morning. So before we hear them read, Let's take a moment in silence and in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet. Your word is a light on our path. We pray that you would illuminate our steps this day. Illuminate the way you would ask us to go. 
As we hear your word read and proclaimed, may it be a living word for us. It is in your name that we ask it. Amen. Our first scripture comes to us from the book of Joshua. What is happening right before this uh, passage is the people have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Um, They have been freed from Egyptian slavery for that time. And finally, 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 they are crossing into the promised land. And we read that this happens. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan River, the Lord said to Joshua, Select twelve men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them. Take twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, carry them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the twelve men from the Israelites, whom he had appointed, one from each tribe, Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan River, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask, in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. And then from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, Paul writes this, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Before I read it, I mentioned that the crossing of the River Jordan is a seminal story of our faith, and it is. This moment when they cross from the wilderness to the promised land and the water stops and they stack those stones on the other side, it is integral to both the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures. 
By the time the Israelites cross that water, as I mentioned to you, they've been free for 40 years. But we know there have been troubles, even in their freedom. They have been wandering in the wilderness. An entire generation or two has been born and grown up in the wilderness. And for the 40 years of wandering, they have been finding out who they are as people, and they have been finding out who God is as their God. And now here in Joshua 4, that wandering comes to an end and they cross into the promised land. It is such an important moment for the people of God that even the river stands still for it. That's how important a moment it is. And we read that after everybody has crossed, Joshua says, wait, there's one more thing for us to do. Well, actually, God says to Joshua, there's one more thing to do. Have everyone pick up a stone, one tribe leader each. Make it 12 and put them in a stack. And it seems like it was important in the doing of it. That was important. It was important of each of those tribe leaders to pick up the stone, to carry it, and to have done the work. But it seems even more important that the roadblock was there. That's what it seems like the point is of these stones. The real reason they're there is to be a roadblock to somebody else. We read that they're supposed to be in the way. They're supposed to trip up the next generation and every generation after that so that children will ask, what are those stones doing there? A child will tug at the sleeve of their mother or their father and say, what is that stack of stones doing? And it will be a reason to tell the story of their faith again and again and again. Joshua wants the stones to be in the way. They are to be a roadblock so that the faith can get passed on. It's a beautiful story. You have this image of this thoughtful child who asks a prompting question, and unlike any child who's ever lived since, they only ask it once and not 82 times. They ask this thoughtful question, what are the stones doing there? And then you have the adult who's in the emotional space and ready to say, I'm so glad you asked. Here is what my faith means to me. I love this story. And I don't have to tell you that our everyday lives don't often look like this story. But it doesn't mean that the story doesn't get reenacted over and over again. It does. It just may not look exactly like this. I want to share an example this morning of how that story played out in my own childhood, and I think it's interesting because that incident happened all around the communion table. And we have communion on this first Sunday of the month, standing right in front of us. This was a communion many years ago, though. I believe I was 12 or 13 years old, and I was angry. I know you're shocked. A 12 or 13-year-old girl is never angry. I was especially angry this day because I was in a fight with one of my best friends. She had done me wrong. Retribution must be paid. And I was furious. I was swearing to never speak to her again, and so on, and so on. Uh, I know that I felt this way because it was all my mother had heard from me from the moment she picked me up after school 
all the way as we drove to church was me complaining about how this friend had treated me. Now, I know that it was the Lenten season because at my home church during Lent, we would have special evening services in when, on Wednesdays of Lent. And every time we would gather in groups around the communion table and serve it that way, just for those services. And so music would play and one group would come forward, gather around the table, pass the elements around and then hold hands and pray. And then the next group would come forward. It was a beautiful service, and I was fuming through all of it. And I remember as the groups started to go forward to communion and then come back, my mother leaned over to me, and she whispered in my ear. She said, I don't know that you're ready to take communion tonight. She said, I think you need to make things right with your friend before you come to this table. I was shocked and still mad. And now I was mad at her. How dare she, you know, tell me what I can and cannot do? Did I mention I was 13? I also had been raised in the church, in fact, in that very church. I think I had been in every closet, every basement, every room in that church. It was all familiar to me. The movements of worship, the hymns we sang, how we baptized our people, how we communed together. I was used to it all. I knew all of the topography. It was comforting. And it had followed me along that far in my life. But this, this admonition from her was new. It was a roadblock in my way. It was specifically a roadblock in my way to the table, right? I don't think you're ready for communion today, she said. Now, it would have been really nice if this roadblock had come more like Joshua 4. It had come from a, a beatific child asking a thoughtful question, but I didn't have a lot of that going on at age 13. I don't know about you, but it brought me to attention just the same. It startled me. It was new in this geography of faith. And it stirred questions in me, questions that I continue to live out even to this day, questions like, what does my worship life have to do with the rest of my life? What kind of sacrifice does God desire for me? What kind of offering does God want from me? These are questions that have been with me ever since that moment. In that moment, my mother taught me that our faith was more than pro forma, that our faith had things to say about how my day went at school. She taught me that communion was holy and that my relationships with both my friend and my Lord were not to be taken lightly. It ended up being a huge stone in the path of my faith. Lots of folks put those stones in our way. They, they placed them there. Whether or not they were doing it intentionally, they placed those stones in our way of faith. But for most of us, most of us, those first stones were placed by family. And this whole series we're doing in this month 
We're talking about that cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. And part of that great cloud of witnesses is family. Those first moments were certainly family for me that Wednesday, so many Lenten seasons ago. For Timothy, it was family as well. I read part of that second letter to him for you this morning. Paul is writing to Timothy during a hard time, and he tells Timothy, you know, I keep thinking how grateful I am for your grandma Lois. And I keep thinking how grateful I am for your mother, Eunice, and for how they raised you in the faith. See, Timothy did not become a Christian at some weekend retreat in Malibu. He did not. He did not get the package deal. Timothy became a Christian moment after moment, season after season of his life, being nurtured and led in the faith by those two women by Eunice and by Lois. They put their stones in his way so that he would wonder and ask and question and deepen in his faith. Today we honor those family members in our lives who have taught us the faith. And I wonder, who was a Lois to you? Who was a Eunice to you? Were they family by blood or family by bond? Either way, call them to mind right now as we give thanks for them. How in the world would you have known about Jesus without them? How would you have gotten this far without them? Your own Lois your own Eunice. This is perhaps the moment when we remind ourselves, because today is not about complicated matters, and, and we know that most of our lives are not a Norman Rockwell painting, and family, to put it as kindly as possible, can be complicated. But those complicated parts are for another day. I want you to notice that Paul does not list Timothy's family tree for him right there. For all we know, his father was a beast and his sister was toxic and his aunt was a terror. For all we know, that's family. But today is for the Loises. Today is for the Eunices. Today is for us celebrating that we live in grateful response to the stones they piled up in our lives, to those stones that became little signposts of faith that have helped us navigate our own path. What they placed in our lives that helped keep us going, helped lead us, we all need those visible markers. When you look back on your life does it seem like sometimes you were gasping for them and that's only when they appeared? We need them. Visible markers of God's faithfulness. And the Eunices and the Loises, they left them there for us. The children of Israel needed them, those visible markers, and just as children of every generation need them.
I said at the start of this sermon that that crossing of the Jordan River story, that, that piling of the stones story, that it is a seminal story in our life of faith, and it is. That's exactly, in fact, what it is. Not to put too fine a point on it, and you can Google it later if you need to, but when we say something was a seminal moment, we mean it was a seed moment, literally. Something is planted that then grows. Those stones are seed moments. We don't know completely what will grow or how quickly or in what fashion, but we do know that if we don't plant it there, nothing will grow at all. You and I get to place some stones. Eunice and Lois had their turn. And now it is our turn. It's your turn. We get to set up a few roadblocks of our own for the people we love. And it could be something as simple as someone saying to you, why is that cross on your wall or around your neck? It could be as simple as you want to share your spending practices with your closest family so that they will ask, well, now, why do you give money to the church? Or why do you give money to people you're never going to meet? Why do you care? Or it could be offering a prayer at this Thanksgiving's meal or at any meal or at every meal so that someone will ask, why do you pray? Whatever way you can, stack up the pile of stones. Stack them and stack them and stack them and don't worry about what happens next. You set the stones in their way, plant something, and then trust that God will give the growth. That's not our problem. We plant the stones. We put the roadblock so that someone is surprised and ask the question. Now, perhaps your life has a little bit of a more of a halo around it than mine does, and you will start practicing this. You will stack stones in people's way, and pretty soon in your life, you will have Joshua 4 reenacted, and it will be beautiful. The lovely and pressed and scented child, well-scented child, will come and ask the thoughtful question, and you will be at the ready for the faithful response that will open a seed in their lives from that second on. Or it could be that the stones you place will never be asked about. I have to tell you, my mom's going to call me after this worship service because she watches these online, everyone. So she's going to call me, and I'm going to tell you the first thing she's going to say is, you never asked me about that because I didn't. I never asked her what she meant. I just sat there and fumed. But just because it wasn't this sort of beautiful moment of Joshua 4 doesn't mean it didn't matter. It mattered. When you were remembering your own Lois, your own Eunice in your life, I want you to ask yourself, do you think they knew, fully and deeply and completely knew how they shaped your faith? How deeply it mattered? How keenly you felt 
The work that they did, do you think they knew that? Probably not. And aren't you eternally grateful that they did it anyway? So plant, plant, plant. Stack, stack, stack. It's our turn. I have to speak for your family for just a moment. I promise you that your family has lots of questions about you already. I promise you they have lots of questions about you already. So why not live in such a way? Why not live in such a way that their questions about you have meaning? That they mean everything? Amen. This is not a Presbyterian table. It is not this church's table. This is the table of Jesus Christ. He is the host, and he invites you here. He welcomes us all. This table, it stands as this signpost in our faith to lead us further, to nourish us on our journey for just another step more. So come to this table. If you have much faith, if you'd like to have more, come to this table if you've been here often, if you have not been here in such a long time. Come to this table. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed at it, you are invited. It is Christ who welcomes you here. Let's pray. Lord, we lift our hearts this day all the way to heaven. We are reminded that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And we remember today and give thanks for the Eunices and the Loises who have led us in our faith. Just as you did in their lives, nourish Restore us, refresh the Holy Spirit within us this day, we pray. We offer to you these humble gifts of bread and cup, and we pray through your great work that you make them holy. Make them Christ's blood, Christ's body. And we offer you the humble gifts of our lives, the ordinary parts of it, And we pray that through your work, you would make our lives holy. In this communion and by your power, we pray that you would make us one people, brothers and sisters, family to one another. It is in your name that we ask it. Amen. We remember that it was the same night that Jesus was betrayed, that he was sitting at a table with his disciples. There was bread on the table. He took it from the table. He thanked God for it. And then before their eyes, he broke it, and he said, Take and eat. 
This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after they had eaten the meal, Jesus took a cup. He said, this cup, it symbolizes a new covenant. And this one is sealed in my own blood. So take and drink, and when you do, remember me. So as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do remember our Lord's death, and we celebrate that he will come again. We will be coming forward down the center aisles. Take the bread and the cup and then return to your seat in the outer aisles. We will eat and drink together. If you need to stay in your seat, please do, and the servers will come to you at the end. We will start from the back to the front. Would the servers please come forward?
said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Abide in me, and I abide in you. In our prayers today, we will have an opportunity to remember the Loises and the Eunices in our own life, and if you would like to call forward their names out loud, you can, or you can pray thanksgiving for them silently. I also want to share with you um, that our brother Mike Jones passed away last night, and so I would like for you to include in your prayers this day and this week his wife Deborah, uh, his children Kim and Christopher. We don't know about a service yet, but we will let you know uh, once we do, but we will give thanks for Mike's life today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the nourishment at this meal. We thank you that we know it is but a pointer to the banquet you have prepared in the new heaven and the new earth. And that even now, saints are worshiping and singing around your throne in preparation. We give you thanks this day for those family, by blood, by bond, who have led us in the faith. We give you thanks for the Loises and the Eunices in our own life, and we name them before you now. Hear our prayers. We pray that in the time that you give us, that we would lead lives worthy of you. That we would lead lives that would help future generations to know the story of faith. To know that we have encountered you. We pray for all of those places around the world near and far this day who need an encounter with you. For those who live under the weight and the anxiety of war, of poverty, of grief, of illness, we pray especially this day for Deborah and Christopher and Kim in their grief and we give you thanks for Mike's life. We pray that you would never be finished with us, but keep your work on us. Keep shaping and reshaping us. 
We thank you for this time of worship, and we ask that you would send us out as one body, Jesus' hands and feet in this world. It is in your name that we offer this prayer, and together we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our offering this morning is an offering of music. If you would like to give financially, you can in the basket at the front or at the entrances following worship. Let's continue our worship of God.
allergies. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we are grateful <coughs> for the opportunity to worship and sing your praise. We thank you for this time together, and we offer it to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Fall in the river valley. <laughs> While we are standing, every Sunday when we have communion now, we say also what we believe. When we walk out of these doors, we are reminded of who we are. And so please join me. You're going to need to. In the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. send you out with the prophet Micah's charge when he says, what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. 
May the Lord bless you this day, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you, and may the Lord give you his peace this day and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. That is a gentleman looking to be a saint of God with you at tea this week. <laughs> Share Christ's peace with one another. I'm quoting the hymn.